0: everybody to the podcast with a proclivity for positivity welcome to all things elite this is our double or nothing AEW double or nothing 2020 review i am your host floyd johnson and with me today i will be introducing to you mr austin somowitz he is going to be helping on the show he's gonna be a co-host he's gonna be helping me with social media he's gonna be uh just helping all around uh i I'm very open about this on the show I work overnights so there's stuff that happens during the day with social media and uh things that I need assistance on and you'll hear fairly quickly that uh him uh being my him being my uh Ian Riccoboni, so my Colt Cabana is gonna be great. I just I I will do anything to make to definitely make the show better, and I think he is a great ad. How you doing, Austin?
1: I'm doing great, man. Appreciate that intro. It means a lot.
0: Yes, uh, I met Austin. Did, where did we meet? Did we meet at All In, or did we meet at? Double I think I think I think,
1: I think either Cindy introduced cuz I think you met Cindy first and then you inter- she introduced me to you either at All In or I saw you guys in line like all of you guys like Tiff and everybody in line when we got to Starcast 2 I think.
0: Okay, yeah. That it, and it, it was
1: one of those two. I can't fully remember. Mm-hmm. It's been years.
0: Yes. So, uh yeah, uh, Austin's a great friend. He used to host a podcast called the Pinned podcast. Uh so he's good at this and as you can hear Silky smooth voice, come on. Uh, and he can <laughs> uh, bring us in, so he's going to be like the main host for the show while I do my color thing because I think that is where my strength is. And uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, to me, it's like you know, you picked up a first round draft pick here. I was like, you're not doing a podcast right now, really. And I was like, man, I really want Austin on the show, so thank you and his first show today is double or nothing review uh we're gonna go through the matches uh do you have the card up in front of you sir Oh, you bet I do, man. And yeah, I right. appreciate the number one draft pick thing. I feel like I'm Joe Burrow all of a sudden. But this is
1: this is certainly not the Cincinnati Bengals' podcast. This is much higher than that.
0: Yes, uh, yeah. Um, we just like, like I said, I'm just very excited to get him to the team. I, I'm looking forward to the first episode, with me, you, and Amy because Amy, Amy. It makes this thing go. She's the positivity in this. She is the light. Sometimes even when I get down, I look to Amy to bring me up. So I'm looking forward to all of us getting on and working together to make the show as good, as good as possible. So uh, let's uh, go into the review. Yeah, man. I mean, we started off with the buy-in and we had an
1: opening tag team matchup. Which would offer one of the teams a number one contendership, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Uh, yeah. And then it was between Best Friends and Private Party and opening up with the buy in. I mean, these two teams are like, in my, some of my favorite teams on the roster, especially uh, Best Friends. I'm really glad that this matchup gave a good shout to them and they got a nice little victory over Private Party to make themselves the new number one contenders. Cause I, I love, Kenny and Hangman, I think they've done so well with the with the tag titles. I think they've done. I think these have. This has given Hangman like his biggest like support from the fans with his whole "just hand me a beer, I'm just gonna go get plastered" thing he's got going on. And I think it's well deserved because Hangman's one of those guys. Like like they said at the beginning, just a, like well over a year ago, since Double or Nothing's pretty much the year anniversary of this whole crazy show that's been going on for a year. He he was considered their workhorse, and he's proven it like over these years. And even though people were starting off like, I'm not sure, he's he's shown just how good he is. But despite all that, I, I'm I'm excited to see an established tag team really go for those tag titles. And best friends got a really really big victory. And also shout out to Private Party uh, who hit Crime Times G9 in tribute to Chad Gaspar, class act. And I mean. Considering that awful tragedy, I think that was a really, really nice move that they decided to use that signature move right there.
0: Absolutely. Uh, really nice for them. Uh, I, You know, again, uh, the match, let me tell you, I, I always focus on the positive And I love Private Party, and I want them to continue to do what they do. But sometimes their spots are a little ambitious. And, you know, they are very athletic and sometimes other teams can't keep up with them or whatever. And it was this match at times because of that became off a little clunky. Uh, and I, I just, again, the only thing that's going to help them out is reps. You know, uh, I think this was their, I mean, they had the match on dark, but uh, this is really them just getting back into the working groove. So, uh now, with hopefully them being able to be at the shows every week, performing on Dark or the main show every week, they'll get their rhythm back. But you definitely saw the ring rust in this match. Uh, best The Best Friends look amazing. Best Friends are one of those teams. They have what they do down. You know what you're going to get from the Best Friends. You're going to get the high energy from Chuck. Trent's the straight guy, the strong man of the... Uh, Uh, of it, and he can, you know, he throws in a joke now, but Chuck is the comic relief. Uh, when he, uh, when Trent lost the headband, you got to see uh, a little bit more of that personality. He got a little angry because he took off his headband and and almost like Orange Cassidy sunglasses. So, uh, yeah, I was like, I just like the little things I saw in this match, um, If I, and another small critique, I would love Private Party. I know they're the fun team, but when they're to work a little stiffer at times, like sometimes their matches to me come off like more of a dance than a fight. Yeah, I can
1: get that, and I mean, I mean, I think their best, one of their best bouts was when they ended up upsetting the, the Young Bucks in the tag tournament, and that showed like when they were really like getting into the seriousness of the match and i think just because it was a it was a pre-show match it was a buy-in match maybe we didn't get to see them work a little bit more stiff just because but yeah, i mean i felt like they showed at least a little bit of that just not enough i think yeah. considering that this was for a number one contendership
0: and that's what i was thinking if this was just a tag match you know like uh under a tag match and a wins important but this was to get a title shot and it's just like i would have liked to see more aggression from them like i said i love i love the team i love their spots i love like the silly string and some of the different moves that they do but it's just like i really do want it to come off more like they're in a fight
1: and I think they will. I really do think that they're going to get a really good shot. But at this point in time, I truly think that Best Friends are the team yeah. that are just... They've been killing it every single week, on whether it be on Dark, whether it be on the main show. They've just been busting their asses on this. And I think the addition of Orange Cassidy has just made people look at them even more, and for good reason. So it's a its a great win for Best Friends, and I think a match between them and Hangman and, Ke- Hangman and Kenny will be one that we should definitely be looking out for.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. I'm looking forward to that match. I have been on the whole I want to establish tag team to be the champions kick for a while. I know people are probably tired of hearing it from me. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a good it's a good idea. I mean, I,
1: it's definitely something that makes the tag titles feel like tag titles are not just two guys. But I mean, not disregarding Hangman and Kenny though, because the elite is still a giant team, so oh, makes no, total absolutely. makes total sense.
0: I'm, i having Kenny having a belt on Kenny and elevates the belt because oh, it's totally. Kenny. And Hangman is literally one of the hottest acts in wrestling. Period. Like all of wrestling, when he would come down and he'd be drinking a beer, lariat somebody and walked off. I truly think there is nothing cooler on the planet. It's just yep. Oh yeah. It's, I, I I it's just my whole thing. This is the most the best tag team division in the world and you have all these established tag teams and you have a makeshift tag team as your champ
1: he's definitely one of those guys who really knows how to connect with the audience yeah and and then moving into the main show we opened up with the casino battle royale ladder match i didn't realize that this was actually going to be like a combination of a battle royale and a ladder match because they had a timer going to bring everybody in I was not expecting that because I don't think I've ever seen a ladder match done that way. But it was really interesting, too, because they kept the, the mystery opponent a secret for a very long time. We had Orange Cassidy in this match, Luchasaurus, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, Kip Sabian, Darby Allen, Joey Janela, who filled in for Phoenix, who sadly uh, was not able to make the show due to an injury. And then the surprise entrant of the match, Brian Cage with Taz as his manager, which... Out of everybody that I've heard on Twitter and on social media saying who they thought it was gonna be, whether they thought it was gonna be a member of FTR, whether they thought it was gonna be Drew Gulak or some other people, Brian Cage was one of the last people I, I expected. But I I definitely was surprised because originally when I heard Taz's voice, I'm like, there's no way Taz is jumping in the ring and taking this taking this match. But then I saw Cage and I was like, oh damn, well. Looks like looks like AEW's kind of got their Brock Lesnar in a sense because dude's built like a brick shit house.
0: Yes. Uh th- yeah, um the reason I didn't get Cage because I thought he was injured. Uh he had yeah. surgery in January. And he had said it was a torn bicep and I heard like 8 to 10 months. He had the surgery, posted the pictures from the surgery. No way that I thought he was going to be Healed and ready to wrestle by May, and uh, you know, and you know, he might have worked us on the uh, length of the injury. Well, obviously he had to, and or he's really the sovereign and has superhuman healing powers. But something like that, yeah, he he worked us so. You know, I was trying to guess anybody but him. I mean, his name came up and I was like, I think he's hurt. Even if somebody listened to the preview, exactly what I said is I think he's hurt. That's why he was never my guest. I'm very happy. I like being surprised in wrestling, so I don't mind it. Uh Taz um Taz throwing his hand behind anybody gives them uh gives them a push, it gives them the rub because Taz is a badass. So let me talk about some extra ways. Taz set up the feud with Darby Allen. You know, Darby Allen was the one climbing when Cage came out. He set yeah. up the feud over the last few weeks with that interview with Darby Allin, offering to help him, and Darby Allin rejected him. He's like, well, he went and found a machine. The second is, I and I bel- I'm i telling you, I am very much a subscriber to the Voices of Wrestling flagship, and I listened to their instant reaction, and Joe Lanza gave some cool information that the statement that he made uh, at the beginning of the uh beginning of his intro video when he says who's like who's ready for the cage when taz switched characters in ecw back in the 90s it was paul Heyman says who can handle the rage so he literally said the same quote but he changed it from rage to cage so that even gave him more of the taz rub and of course he's the freaking machine brian cage i i I remember first time i saw him i was like Literally one of the most physically impressive humans I've ever seen. He has muscles in places I've never seen. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know there were places there. So, yeah, I, I, great pickup for AEW. I, I assumed he was signed, but, you know, Tony uh, said it after the show that he had been signed since January. Yeah,
1: that's slick, too. All the stuff that you said about uh, Taz and Brian and Paul Heyman and ECW stuff, that's all Really slick, and yeah, I can tell you, I, a Darby Allen versus Brian Cage match, just a full-on David and Goliath sort of thing right there, that's something I'm t- totally down to see because Darby would be one of the guys who would try to pick a fight with somebody that big and still stare him down like he doesn't give a damn. Yeah. And, and speaking of Darby, uh, that, that ladder jump with the skateboard, Jesus.
0: So uh, you will hear about this person's name a lot, my friend Jason uh he's I always call him I always bring him up cuz he's kind of a casual fan. You have to do something to bring him in, right? So, he's watching and he just like he never he just watches wrestling. When Darby did that, he kind of jumped up and like, "Damn." And then he's like, "That was so unnecessary, but it was so <laughs> awesome." Yeah, and I was like, well, "Yeah, that's Darby." <laughs> it really is, yeah. And at a uh, like going
1: down this match too, there was a point where Brian Cage just got buried under a ton of stuff. And then I can't remember who Joey hit it on, but Joey did like a rolling senton onto the pile of garbage that was just laying on top of Brian Cage. And I was just like, he's still under there. That's jeez, That's crazy. Yeah. But the spot that freaked me out the most was the spot right before the finish where Brian Cage took Darby and, laid him on top of a ladder, Gorilla pressed it and then just threw it at another ladder. I thought he was gonna just I thought he was gonna die. It was insanity. I thought I was like freaking out when I saw that. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, my uh my biggest thing was uh I gotta give a shout out to uh Mr Jimmy Havoc's suit. Yes yes. Uh Jimmy Havoc was a big part of this match trying to help Kip Sabian win but he had on this white suit that was blood splattered. I don't believe that's the first time I've seen him in. But I don't care if it's not the first time. The suit is dope. It, 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 I've never seen a suit that I more identified the person that's wearing it than that suit. You know what they I mean? It's just if they like, don't sell
1: that on, if they don't sell that on shop AEW, that's yeah. a crime.
0: Yes, because that suit says Jimmy Havoc. I mean, I just like, dude, if they just put a shirt with him in that suit on it. I would absolutely buy that shirt. That would work Uh, too. Yeah, uh, he took this uh, Frankie. Frankie did this like German into the ladder in the corner, and it's just like Jimmy Havoc, freaking nuts. And uh, I, I just I dig the dude. Yeah. Speaking of Frankie,
1: with that hair, with the haircut that he's got going right now, he's got slight. He's got a slight
0: Randy Orton look to it. Am I? Is that just me? No, no, uh, I could definitely see it because of how it's kind of the buzz cut with the extra hair at the top. It does see, uh, it, it does have Randy Orton feels to it. Um, yeah, uh, Frankie still being able to do what he does at his age is crazy. I'm mean, like, he's not old, old as far as wrestling, but still, when he did the springboard and jumped onto the ladder with Scorpio, I was like, dude, that was oh, yeah. that was me watching him. In the TNA X Division Ten, like it took me back. I think it's like fifteen years ago at this point. It was, yeah, it was just Frankie being Frankie, and I love that.
1: Oh yeah, Frank Frankie's freaking awesome, and so is so is Scorpio, and those guys went at it too, being both members of SCU. And the match ended up finishing off with Brian Cage winning in his debut to grab that chip hanging over the ring, which gives him. A chance to take on the AEW world champion. So what a statement immediately coming in and just taking everybody down and then nearly killing Darby Allen and then getting a shot at John Moxley or anybody who's the AEW
0: champion at champion at the time. Hundred and ten percent the right decision. Uh this is how you book Brian Cage. He looks different. He is a machine. He's the guy that looks like he can do, it looks like he does, and can still do a shooting star press. This is how you book this guy. Uh, they even already announced a match. If you haven't seen that or heard that on uh, Media Scrum, it's going to be Brian Cage versus the winner of the match later at Fighter Fest. And we'll talk about the winner when we get there.
1: Absolutely. Now heading into the next match, we had MJF taking on Jungle Boy Jack Perry, which I I love Jim Ross. I before we get into the actual match, I love Jim Ross. I don't need him to tell me every two seconds that he's uh, that he's uh, Luke Perry's son. I know, I know Jim Ross. I know. I appreciate your work, but we get it.
0: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I th- I don't know if this is true. I'm going to 100. Th- I think he hates the Jungle Boy gimmick. I, I can understand he, that. Yeah, and I think the part of Jack, uh, the part of him that I believe Jim Ross thinks we should focus on is the fact that he's Jack Perry, son of Luke Perry. I think he thinks that's the gimmick we should on, focus on, not Jungle Boy. And when Jim Ross thinks he's right,
1: you're oh, not yeah, going <laughs> you right, to. He's
0: going to go in on what he's doing, and who's going to tell Jim Ross he doesn't know how to get a person over? Sure, yeah, and
1: I, yeah. I mean, I get it, I he would he would make a few sarcastic jabs later in the night about stuff that he's not necessarily for, and I mean, like, hey, yeah. I mean, AEW's got variety, so it's like, you may not be into everything, but you're gonna find something that you're into, but it yeah. yeah. seems like Jim Ross just, Jim Ross just wants him to be Jack Perry.
0: Yeah, he just <laughs> wants him to be Jack Perry, son of Luke Perry, wrestler, that's what he wants to be, the whole Jungle Boy thing, I think he thinks it's dumb, like I said, this is complete speculation i have not talked to jim ross not heard him say that i can just i just like i talked to enough people that you can kind of get the feeling and then him being a commentator you see what he focuses on the whole jungle boy side of it that's like excalibur you can do that you know you can handle that part of it but to me he's just jack perry
1: Speaking of which, Excalibur is just doing a class act on commentary. He gets, like, everything across in such a a great way. He's he's by far, like, just so good and definitely, as a guy who wants to get into pro wrestling commentary, like, he's one of those guys I look at, I'm like, he's doing it really, really well.
0: As we go back to... The previous match, that whole Orange Cassidy thing. I think Tony's told him two hundred times what the rules are, and he's still ignoring it. I thought that was hilarious. It, he sold it. You can actually hear annoyance in, <laughs> in Excalibur's voice. Like I, I, he's just so good at what <laughs> he does. I, like I did not do the PWG thing. So this whole Excalibur, like the last year, has been me experiencing. Excalibur and I he is clearly one of my favorite guys
1: oh yeah totally I can totally get behind that and this matchup that we had with MJF and Jungle Boy was a lot more technical than I thought it was going to be I I on it was they went back and forth with this whole match for for a good while to the point where they were just trading chops with each other and just try, just egging each other on and it was really well done. MJF doing a great job working on the arm of Jungle Boy. Meanwhile, MJF was just getting beat on and chopped to death in the chest. They These guys are doing a really good technical matchup. And for the most part, not 100%, but for the most part, MJF ended up getting the clean pinfall. But he did a lot of stuff leading up to that that was very
0: much not clean. Dude, I love when he bit his arm. You know, he's already injured arm and he's just he's he's such a such a dick. But this match, I've always been one of those people that just like, man, it's it's not about the entering work with MJF. I say it all the time. It's not. He's a classic. I always say 80s heel. He's about drawing heat. He's about making you hate him. And I was like, once the match starts, you know, kind of works like a hill. This match was two of the future of AEW showing you why they pretty much showed you what everyone sees in them.
1: Yeah, no, and these guys have proven before how good they are, and especially Jungle Boy proving with his match against uh with his match against Jericho how good he is, and he's just getting another opportunity to do so. Cause you may see him as just one third of Jurassic Express, but the guy shows how good he can be as a singles competitor. And MJF, I swear, if there's been one guy who has taken his his year or so with AEW and has done everything he can possibly do to make the most of his situation and make the most of every opportunity he gets, it's MJF. You may not like the stuff that he does, and you may think he should go about it in a different way, but I've never seen a guy garner so much attention, garner so much legitimate hate, and garner just praise for his heel work. It's just I, I I remember literally the first time I really found out about him and leading into All In and then when we did pinned at a Starcast 1 and we did the podcast movement stage and he just came up on stage and crashed our show and just talked bad on us being like how's it feel to be the worst podcasters in the world and just buried us and tore us to pieces and I was like we were nobodies from Michigan who were sitting on that stage. If it was busted open or anybody else, I could have understood him coming up on stage. But he came up on stage to, to fuck around with us. And that, that showed that he was really making the most of everything because there was no need for him to do any of that. But he did. And dude's been killing it every, every chance he gets with being on Dynamite or being on the pay-per-views. He's done so well.
0: Uh, yeah, and it, it showed me something with Jungle Boy. I've never been the highest on Jungle Boy. I am of the opinion he needs to gain a little weight, gain a little muscle to come off as more intimidating. But this match, like I said, I saw the building blocks. I saw what they were talking about, his ability to sell. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen it, it make wrestling make sense. Like, I've seen uh, that uh, spot where... MJF lays on him and lands on him with one arm and he kicks out of the two and then he turns it into a submission and he can't hold the submission because his left arm is damaged. Do you know how many times I've seen people get their arm worked on their whole match and then they do a submission move like there's nothing wrong with their arm? That yes. is, that is you know, that is not day one selling. That is advanced thinking as in storytelling to how you got to the end of the match, the reverse run on the apron was amazing. It man. Yeah. It was just, I could honestly say, I would say this stole the show, but the rest of the show was so amazing. It couldn't steal the show.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I was looking through this whole card leading up to this and I just like, and I watching back of it too, after the show, I was like, I didn't see a bad match on this entire show. And that's, considering that we're into a full year and I don't think AEW's had a bad pay-per-view and this show didn't have a bad match. I mean, they've been, they've been on fire with the stuff that they've been putting out and big shout out to MJF with the very clutch win that he got a big shout out to the amazing showing that jungle boy showed and MJF has just proven just how much of staying power he has with
0: just the run he's been on. Yeah, he, he definitely, definitely. Um, MJF, uh, again, he and his future might be, you know, a little more uh, re- coming up a little more quick than anyone else's uh, because, you know, he hasn't lost. He's beaten Cody. You know, he's beaten a person that you would honestly can kind of consider on his level or his contemporary jungle boy. He's like, you know, next, he has to be looking for a title, whether it's going after the t- uh, TNT champion uh whoever that is as we talk about that later on or it's going after the world champion he's you know he's got to be in contention for that with an undefeated record.
1: Have you seen the video of his uh his WWE Tough Enough uh submission that he made back when uh Tough Enough came back with uh with I think it was a uh, Stone Cold yes. or something? Yes. I, I have. can't remember it's. Which... I I look at that and I'm like wow you passed on that. I cannot believe you did that. <laughs>
0: You know, and, and that's the whole thing. I, you know, I don't give WWE passes too much, but I have to give them a pass on talent. When you're the sure, only, yeah, you know, when you're the only show in town for like they were for so long, you're getting thousands of submissions. You're gonna miss. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But I just,
1: I, I look at that and I'm
0: like, wow, man. Yeah. What, what could have been? Yeah, because I think uh, you said Stone Cold came back. Was it like the most recent one where? Uh, Patrick Clark was a part of it, I believe. I think that. Yeah, was I'm pretty one. sure. It was, I'm yeah, pretty sure it was that. I'm like, look, you got Mandy Rose, and you got the Velveteen Dream after that. You like, you hit sometimes. I think Sonia Deville was in that one too. I think she might have been too. Yeah, yeah you hit sometimes. You miss sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you take Zizi. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you take Zizi. I mean, again, it was a fan vote, so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: Anyways, now we move on to finals of the TNT Championship Tournament with Mike Iron Mike Tyson presenting the championship to the winner. We had Cody versus Lance Archer. Archer. Um, I know a lot of people were talking on the belt uh, and its design. I know they've also said specifically that because of COVID-19 and everything that's going on, the belt isn't fully completed yet. I've seen images online of... What it's supposed to look like when it's finished should be having some like gold plating on it to kind of give it a little bit more pop. And I've heard I've heard mixed things on it. Um I personally didn't think it was that it was anything like bad. I didn't think it was a bad title design. But I think considering how much people loved the design of the world title and how how it's just such a great looking title, I think they were expecting the same sort of thing for the for the mid card title. But either way, I think it it still looks better than. Uh, a lot of other titles and some other promotions.
0: Yes, so I could see, I saw the, you know, my favorite title when I was, one of my favorite titles when I was younger was Arn Anderson's TV title. And this seems to be, you know, an ode to that Arn Anderson's TV title, which is great. I personally would have liked the TNT to be smaller, more understated, maybe at the top, but, you know, where the AEW thing is, but I'm just saying, if TNT is the one that said, "Hey, we're gonna have this belt," this was their idea. They probably didn't want TNT to be in small letters, so you kind of got to do <laughs> you got to do what the uh, boss says. So they got it that way. Uh, the original red and s- the silver was, I you know. Again, it it to me kind of looked like an indie title at first. And then I saw the concept art with the gold plating. That looks like a belt. That looks like a belt. I will buy. I mean, I'll definitely buy it because it's Cody's belt, but if it, <laughs> they be replicas, but uh but in the end, it yeah, I can every complaint originally, I could see it. I did not see the comparisons to the 24/7 title. Because twenty four seven title looked like they didn't even try. It was like USA wants us to do a twenty four seven title, so we're just going to put a big twenty four and seven on the belt and let's go. And it didn't look like they tried this one. You got it's a it's a Turner Network Television belt, and then the houses on the side of the belt are Ted Turner's mansion. Yeah, come on. That's that's detail. Who would have thought to do that? Yeah, it's more detail. Yeah, Yeah, who would have thought to do that? You know, it's a Turner belt, so you know, them being on Turner is like the big draw or whatever. So, I, I, I generally like what the belt's going to be at this time. I did not, I what we saw last night, I did not like it, but you have to give. It's one of those things you have to give leeway for COVID because they're not making the belts. They hire a belt maker. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of materials are scarce right now. I think I think once
1: we get to the point where it's finished, I think people will be like, okay, I get it now. That's, yeah. I, I totally get it. And like you said, it is Cody's belt because Cody ended up defeating Lance Archer in the matchup. There were some great spots in this match. Uh, my favorites were being when... Cody hit that DDT in front of Jake the Snake and then Lance Archer hit the hit the spinebuster in front of Arn. It was those those two points in the match were really great. Lance was just beating down Cody and just taking him to school for for a good majority of the matchup and just showing his strength. The point where he just threw him over the freaking turnbuckle right by the camera. And then I loved the replay that it showed where he threw him over the camera and the turnbuckle. And then the camera looks down and he's just staring at it. He's just giving it the mean mug. And then there was a point in the matchup where Arn Anderson trips up uh, Lance Archer on the top rope. Because of that, he ends up getting thrown out of the match. And then so Jake the Snake eventually gets thrown out, but he goes to the back tries to bring out the snake in the bag, but Mike Tyson wasn't having any of that, takes his shirt off and starts starts uh, asking for that smoke and being like, I want some of that. Come on, bring it on. You're not getting anywhere near this ring. Jake's like, okay, nope, not going to deal with that. He backs off. Cody ends up hitting Lance with two crossroads and gets the pinfall. He becomes the first ever TNT champion and gets the title presented to him by Mike Tyson. It was a really strong matchup, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, they had me up and excited and scared at first because when Archer initially hit the blackout, I thought they were going to do like a squash finish. I thought, man, Lance Archer is just going to destroy him. And then he beat on him like unmercifully for he pretty much controlled 80 to 85% of this match. He beat on him for like 10 to 15 minutes. They had me there because, again, I know Cody's influences, 80s. 80s wrestling, you know, the face is going to take, mo- especially in a big man match, the face is going to take most of the offense. And it's going to be more about him surviving than it was. Uh, the The spot uh, when he hit the DDT popped me. The spine buster popped me again like it, it did for you. Uh, yeah, it was just a really good match. and uh, my, uh, But my favorite spot, I just popped in my head is when Cody went for the cutter and he just got pounced. It was just like, yeah. So it made sense because Lance Archer is like, we came in to AEW for Cody who, who, you know, who would know him and be prepared for his moves better than Lance Archer. I thought that was great. Uh, The whole thing where he was trying to walk around the ropes to Jake that's probably the only part of the match that didn't make sense. I'm pretty sure I can ask uh, Cody and he could clarify it very quickly. You know, I, I don't have that contact to ask Cody, but <laughs> he, you know, he probably had an idea there and there was something we were supposed to see, but he was like, he was walking over to Jake. I'm like, why, why would he do that? Because neither one of the managers really got physically involved into Arn Anderson tripped Archer. So, I don't know. I really enjoyed the match. I thought this was great. I know a lot of people might not have, you know, rated it as high, but I just, like, thought this was the perfect way to do it. If if Cody was going to win, I was one of those people that I could see Lance Archer winning. But, uh, yeah, I jumped up. I was excited. My boy, the first TNT champion. And it was funny. It was bittersweet. Because it was his first TNT title, and then that second moment that I was supposed to be there kind of punched yeah, me man, in the gut. Yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, so I was supposed to be there for the first title. Uh, Cody, you know, last year he, he won it double or nothing against Dustin. This year he wins the title first. Man, his double or nothing uh, record is pretty good right now.
1: Yeah, he's de- that's his biggest showing he's been showing, he's been given for sure. Um, besides when he beat the hell out of a... Uh... Uh, Sean Spears at all out. That was a great showing as well. Yeah. But yeah. I will say, I will say, um, let's not cut on Mike Tyson yawning again. Let's let's try let's try not to do that again because I saw that and I started laughing like
0: crazy. Yes, I I did too. Uh, yeah, I like you know he doesn't have. You know the fans there. You know the excitement, the energy of it. He's trying to keep it himself, and he's watching a wrestling match. You know he's probably watched a lot of wrestling matches, and they've probably went through what he was going to do all day. And he's probably been up since uh, he's probably been up since eight o'clock in the morning. You know, and he's like, I'm tired. You know, yeah. No,
1: I mean, di- no disrespect too, because he also had one of my favorite moments too when Lance Archer came out and just threw a staff member around the ring and chased him out. Mike was looking at him like. Okay then, that's that. I, I get you. I get you. So yes, no, dis- uh, no disrespect for what's all. all. It's just a mistake cut, and it was just it was a funny little moment. I think it it added a little bit character to the show.
0: Yes, so definitely. Uh, yeah, it, you know it's real. You know, you're watching the show. You could be into it, but you might not be all the way into it. And it was like, and this match was, I thought it was well paced, but there were some points in the middle where it was a little plotting, and you know. They caught him at the exact wrong time I guarantee you Even when in excitement of a Cody match At one point you could probably Catch me doing the same thing
1: Oh I'm sure that's the same with any fans And plus we're talking about the baddest man on the planet This man has done a lot In his career so I'm sure he's seen Countless fights Countless wrestling matches So I'm sure it's, It's no disrespect whatsoever But it
0: was very funny Yes, yes, definitely very funny Um, Yeah, yeah, that's But yeah, Cody's the new champ Uh, Shout out Yeah, I got the belt presented to him by Tyson Uh, I was very excited I'm very happy I'm looking forward to what they're going to do going forward Yeah, and after that
1: We had Chris Statlander Who was supposed to take on Britt Baker DMD, but Was not the case She She also suffered an injury and was not able to compete It was Sucky situation. But Penelope Ford stepped up to take the place and take on Chris Statlander and uh, had Kip Sabian by her side, albeit on crutches and with braces and all this stuff looking like a little wimp <laughs> And he still was able to get some heel heat in this matchup. And I think Chris Statlander has really proven herself in uh, the last few months uh, being on AEW. She's done really well leading up to this moment and i think she's been doing really well especially i mean the gimmick of just you're an alien is a is an odd one to go with and an odd one to be uh to be to be given or to have but i think she's done really really well with that gimmick especially and she's just she's a great athlete she's done really well penelope ford gets great heel heat and does really well too i think on the set on this uh Following up a match like the TNT title match and following Cody and Archer was a tough thing to do, but I think they did a a pretty good job at at following it up and trying to keep everybody at home entertained. It's obviously hard to gauge because nobody was there, um, but it was still a solid, solid women's match, and I think it was a great showing for both girls. And Chris Statlander was the one who ended up getting the victory and a big yeah. W for her win loss record.
0: Yes, this was a good it was a good, you know, like television match, last minute match. I thought they both looked good. The finish came uh the finish came when she uh hit her with that uh on the pile driver, it's like an inverted pile driver. Oh the big bang theory. Yeah. Yeah, the big bang theory. Yeah, so that's that's great. Uh I think this is the show that they finally did it. I, you know, you're going to have criticisms of AEW. And I've always thought over the first year of their pay-per-views that they put the women's match in horrible positions, like the women's title match in horrible positions. So having a second women's match was great. Like, I love that it was Penelope Ford, Chris Datlander get let you, gives you a chance to come down after Cody went in the title and you know, and it gives you time before that next moment you're supposed to explode. Both women did a great job. Both women did a great job, but it's kind of what you need. You're gonna get highs and lows in the matches, and I know some companies go high, 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 but at you know when you have something emotionally exhausted, like a, t- a new champion being crowned, you know sometimes you kind of need a break. Yeah,
1: and that's and that's a good. That's a good way to put it, and it wasn't like, and it wasn't like a match that was just a throwaway match or anything. Yeah. These two girls did a really good job at still trying to keep the energy up and putting on a really good follow-up matchup. So I think that's a great placement too. And like you said, yeah, the the placement of the women's matches um, f- for for some of the shows. Was a little questionable, but I think this was a point where they, they, for for both women's matches, they
0: did a really good job. Uh, Yeah, and Britt Baker's gonna announce on Wednesday her injury length, even though it was spoiled after the show, which I will let you know later in the show.
1: Sounds good. After that, we had Dustin Rhodes, who was set to take on Sean Spears, but Sean showed up talking about he's not even here, and was just taking taking the absolute piss, he played Dustin's entrance, he didn't come out and was just just being such a heel, and he's like alright, ring the bell, and I want, I want the count out victory right now he, the bell gets rung, and the referee starts counting, but then Dustin's music hits again he's like, no, 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 no. we just did this once, we're not, doing this, we're not doing this two times and then Brandy comes out starts, starts uh, trash talking towards Sean, and Sean's going right back at her, and a great shot of Dustin just walking into the camera view right behind Sean. Sean doesn't realize he's there, but then all of a sudden feels the presence of Dustin behind him, slowly turns around, and then Dustin goes after Sean and just starts beating him down. And this match was more of a, of a little of a little comedy set. It especially reminded me of some of William Regal's matches where that featured a lot of comedy. And there was a point in the matchup where Sean's just getting his his suit is getting torn apart by Dustin, and to the point where he's getting he's pulled down into his underwear. Dustin pulls down his 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 underwear and just shows his 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 full moon to that to that crowd crowd of uh, of a few wrestlers and MMA fighters and personalities and stuff, and just starts smacking it. We then get a shot of the underwear that shows to see Tully Blanchard on on his no no zone, and he's just like. No, don't cut to this. No, and just tries to run away. Dustin quickly able to get the victory and Sean just left in his own underwear. It was uh it was not what I was expecting, especially considering how Sean first came into AEW and how the impact he made when he hit Cody with the chair. Um but despite all that, I think Sean did a good job of playing the 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 chicken shit heel who just gets caught and then all of a sudden has to try to get out of it but he's made a fool of and I think Dustin still showing great stuff and was, he's used to doing some funny stuff I mean with the whole Gold Dust character and all that it was a nice little cleanser before we got into the main three matches the two title matches leading into the stadium stampede match so it was a, it was a nice little palette cleanser to add a little bit of
0: variety to the show um, yeah, um, this was a palate cleanser. This was something to make you laugh. To, you know, get, like I said, give a little space between the Cody match and what was coming up, uh, coming soon. Uh, I, th- I think it was great. I think it was. It, it did its purpose. The whole telling on Sean Spears thing. I guess you know some people didn't think it was funny, but for, you know, it was like a way to remind you. That Tully is still his manager, but because of COVID, you know, Tully's an older person, he hasn't been able to be at the show in a few months, and they didn't – they was like, okay, this was a subtle – well, not-so-subtle reminder that Tully is still Sean Spears' manager.
1: Yeah, and again, Sean, Sean um, hasn't had a lot of um... – He's been really trying to get into a little bit more of comedy stuff, as you can tell, like the the week on Dynamite leading up to Double or Nothing where he had his Sean Spears news where he was just digging uh, Dustin and doing some comedy bits and just uh, cutting cutting some promos on him and just making him feel – just bringing him down a peg. And I think this is a good little payoff to that little moment. And I think Dustin's used to a lot of this kind of stuff. So these guys did a really good job. I think two two veterans who did a really good job with this 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 very much palate cleanser matchup leading into our title matches and the main event.
0: Yeah, and since Dustin took such a big loss that last time, to get him back on the winning ways, that he's somebody that you know could win and could you know could be in matches going forward. He could eventually end up being a person that goes for Cody's TNT title, you set him up as a legit contender because he wins. Yeah, totally. And he should be believable, which I think having some wins under his belt
1: will really help that. Now we have one of the final championship matches of the night. We had the AEW Women's Championship between the champion Nyla Rose and my girl, my girl Hikaru Shida I love Sheeta so much she's she's grown to be one of my favorite women on the roster I think she's an absolute great worker I think she's got a great look to her and I think this matchup showed such great moments for both for both of these competitors this match had a lot of great moments I mean just the use of the kendo stick was my favorite part of the matchup just these guys beat these two girls beating the heck out of each other I that shot to the. I keep looking back at that, that that Kendo shot that nearly that was near the end of the matchup where Sheeta just hits Nyla across like the neck or the head of, of of Nyla Rose and she just goes down. I'm like, Sheeta's a killer. She's so good, and she ends up becoming the brand new AEW Women's Champion, which I think is a great call. Nyla's done really well as the first heel to hold that belt. And I think Sheeta will do really well, really good stuff with this title. And I'm so happy to see her as the new champion. Definitely a holy Sheeta moment for sure.
0: Yeah, um, her and the knees and keep hitting the low knees to slowly wear Nyla down. Nyla stayed as her normal monster. I think. Uh, I don't know. The first Rio match was really, really good, but this was one of Nyla's best matches in the company to me. Uh, I, it's just like the selling and the gradual, you know, gradual, like you keep taking a knee, you keep taking a knee. The outside of the ring work, uh, the fact that this kind of feud started with Nyla Rose Hitting Sheeta in the head with her own kendo stick and for it to kind of end in the match to kind of end with Sheeta literally breaking said kendo stick over uh, Nyla's face. That is amazing. I just thought it was perfect storytelling. Again, position of the match, we we had just had a lull, so the focus was on Sheeta, uh, focus was on Sheila and Nyla and the belt. I think that added to it and added to the excitement. Everybody here was like, "Oh, are they going Sheeta? Are they going Sheeta?" And then she she hits that last move and they went with her and there was, you know, an audible kind of cheer from uh Sheeta winning the championship, which is always good cuz like I said, I was watching with people that I wouldn't say watch every week, but they were, you know, the match hooked them into Sheeta and I yeah, thought it was just a really good match.
1: Also, Sheeta hit a, an avalanche falcon arrow on Nyla Rose from the top rope. Like, what the hell? Like, I saw that, and I was like, I was completely shocked at that maneuver. And I was just like, god damn. If this doesn't tell people to take Hikaru Shida as a true threat, nothing will. Because I think she's just been on fire for the last few weeks. And having the title only makes that, that run even bigger for her. And I, I couldn't be more happy... For Shida. she's definitely one of my favorite people to tune in to watch on dynamite yes
0: yeah, she is freakishly strong for someone that comes off as tiny and it's it, you know you see her workouts you know she's she's a very much on instagram and twitter uh posting videos so she's very much in shape but the fact that she could do that move on nilo was super cool and like I said, it's a very it's you know when it comes down to it, it's a very good next champion for aew because she's uh, very much can be at the forefront. She's talented across a different uh, 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 across different avenues. so there's gonna be different ways for her to draw in fans.
1: Very true, very true. Now we have what they call part one of two of their double main events. We have the aew World Heavyweight Championship match. Between John Moxley and the exalted one, Brody Lee. So much building up to this matchup, obviously. The exalted one has sick the Dark Order on John Moxley, stole the AEW World Championship, and has been like just hiding away as Moxley starts taking down members of the Dark Order to get to Brody Lee in this matchup. And my God, they started going after each other like crazy to the point where Moxley made multiple suicide dives, throwed John Moxley was getting thrown around Brody Lee was getting thrown through the barricade to the point where Moxley hit a paradigm shift through the stage on the on the rampway of the Daily's place and just they went through it completely but these guys were beating each other down and I think I think the finish was the right call too because Moxley ended up putting him in sort of a rear naked choke sleeper hold and then slowly but surely Brody Lee started to fade. He never tapped out, but he did fade out and passed out, and John Moxley was able to retain the title. John Moxley's been on a roll since she, since he won the title at Revolution. So I I think a lot of people were going into this matchup expecting Moxley to come out on top, but I think it was a really good call to keep Brody Lee looking really well in this matchup because he had a great showing and also having him pass out instead of tapping out or taking the pinfall still makes him Seem like a tough son of a bitch, which he is. So it was a great showing. I think it was a great. Uh, it was a pretty. It was a really good matchup, and I think it was uh, just yeah. John Moxley's just proven why he's the hottest thing in AEW for sure.
0: A- absolutely. Um, this uh, was a fight. Uh, oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. And Like out of all the matches on the night, just to me, most came off like a fight, like a actual, almost. Uh, new Japan style fight, very, very stiff, very strong style. Uh, they went after each other. Uh, Brody Lee was the the monster. He kicked out and won in the paradigm shift. Yeah, he you know he hit his power bomb, and you know I didn't know it was uh, I know he was going to beat him, but Moxley wasn't really even slowing him down until he puts him through the uh, he puts him through the ramp. And then he comes out bloody, still takes another paradigm shift and kicks out, and then he's finally bleeding and gets choked out. Uh it was a great way to protect Brody Lee. I can imagine his promo on Wednesday saying, I didn't get pinned, I didn't get submitted, you know, you know, if it wasn't for the legal maneuver of putting me through the ramp, you know, we, you'd be seeing your new champion if they decide to go that way. Brody Lee's really good, so he's gonna go whatever way he's gonna go is gonna work. But this match, like I said, felt like a fight. It felt like a New Japan G1 fight, and I enjoyed it. It was probably my favorite match of the night.
1: I would have agreed with you until we get to the matchup that we're about to talk, the, the second of the double main events and the final matchup of, the, of Double or Nothing, the stadium stampede match between the Elite and Matt Hardy versus the Inner Circle. My God, I love this as a, as a guy who's getting into sports broadcasting, as a guy who loves sports and loves pro wrestling, it was a great mixture of, of uh, two worlds, and I think they did a really good job of making the most of everything in this matchup. Just the the inner circle showing up in full fo- football gear and wearing pads and helmets and all this kind of stuff, to Hangman Page showing up and chasing Sammy Guevara with his horse, to the the locomotion... Suplexes by by Matt Jackson to Sammy Guevara down a hundred yards and spiking his head and having a touchdown dance, but getting flagged for it and super kicking the ref to Jericho disputing a two count and ask and challenging the play and going into the replay tent. There was just. So many amazing moments in this matchup and just, I was losing it watching this whole thing. It was such an entertaining finish and a great way to just like completely forget about everything that's going on and just watch these talented athletes having a lot of fun, you could tell. I remember Jericho posted that it was one of his favorite matches he's done in the 30 years that he's been a pro wrestler, which is definitely saying something. Such entertaining moments, such creative uh, things done there and just,
0: I had so much fun watching this. Sammy has been my MVP for the last few months. Yes! So it's been, uh, there was a few things that cracked me up. One, after he chased him with the horse, uh, Sammy gets away. Hangman's still looking for him and just decides, F it, I'm going to go have a beer. He just like in the middle of this big match. He just decides, oh, I'm going to go have a drink. And then uh, uh, Hager finding him. And then, you know, that whole idea of are we going to fight or are we going to drink? And they drank and then they fought. And then I love the whole dragging him down, uh, dragging him down the bar thing that's very old school. I love that. I love that. Um, I love, you know. um, Countless, uh,
1: countless bottles being smashed over Hager's head by Kenny uh, and Hangman.
0: Yes. I love that Matt, uh, Matt Jackson with bad ribs seemingly uh northern Light suplex Sammy Guevara the whole length of the field that was that yep. yeah, that was cool uh the cuts and the edits were great we got Matt Hardy we got Matt Hardy v one and we got yeah. broken matt uh and and I love that they came up with the matt facts that uh Matt Hardy could uh breathed underwater for like four hundred seconds. Four yeah three hundred and forty six seconds was the exact amount of time. Of course, I yes. Thought of course. Was, I thought that was hilarious. Uh I loved when he uh said, I'm gonna help you with your inflammation and threw Santana in the ice. Oh my God. I honestly chair <laughs> of wheels showed up again. Yes. I feel like we could have done a whole review. Just on that match.
1: Oh, if you went point by point by that match, you could just find like there's something that everybody could have found that was entertaining. I like Jericho getting the the line the line machine just rolled over him by by Hangman, and it just gets a line ripped right up his cr- crotch all the way to his face. And it was just jo- Matt Hardy posing underwater in the pool, just being like yeah, and yeah. It was there was such and then that amazing moonsault. By I was it Nick or was it Matt? I can't remember exactly uh off the off the off the goal post
0: uh it was uh because he had the wrapped ribs that's how I that's remember right it. yeah. Yes. yeah, it's crazy uh then the you know finish dude the world's largest one winged angel,
1: oh yeah, and the leading up to that too like Sammy's crawling after that Northern Light suplex locomotion gets hit with a sprinkler then round two of the golf cart with 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 Matt Hardy and Kenny he's just like no not again he bolts at this time up the ramp and Does like they said a, a Lambo leap but in Jacksonville and then yeah. yeah just starts we had Neo one the upgraded Vanguard one show up and then yeah the the biggest one-winged angel you have seen in your lifetime it was insanity
0: yes uh it was crazy because last year if you read double nothing the kind of the lasting image of the show was uh you know Moxley uh doing pretty much an attitude adjustment on Kenny off of the chips onto the you know onto the ground you know and that was kind of the lasting image of it but then in this year, our lasting image is Kenny Omega, uh, you know, jumping off of something large, and he's actually the person on the offensive side of it. So I'm, I'm thinking they're gonna jump off of a roof next year because it seems to be know. getting higher. But yeah, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was truly the best thing I've seen in the quarantine. Uh, and by from AEW, I, to me, I can't compare it. I know some people are. I can't compare it to the Boneyard match because the Boneyard match was really like one on one, and it was more shot in a movie style.
1: I think a lot of people were more yeah. comparing it to the Money in the Bank ladder match that happened yeah, uh, this yeah. year. Oh, it which the, I can understand it, that it, comparison.
0: It kicked the Money in the Bank ladder match's ass. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't even, like. I have no problem saying that. I mean, the Money in the Bank ladder match was fun, but in the end, I would have given it. A C. Uh giving it a C. This was an A plus. This was if you considered it a wrestling match, which some people don't, some people do. It was a five star match. They did a great job entertaining. I hope I hope this was some people's first time watching AEW because I if I was not a fan, this would make me a fan.
1: Sure, and it it reminds a lot of people of like some of the funniest moments that WWE did before, like where they had Stone Cold and Booker T fighting in a grocery store. It's like these kind of ridiculous insanity moments like is sometimes the most entertaining stuff in pro wrestling. And I think a lot of people like like pro wrestling to be just a pure work machine, a pure art form. And I get that. I get that argument, but I think to say you watched this and you didn't have a little bit of fun I think is 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 it's just hard to see but I mean if you didn't have fun I I'm sorry I'm sorry to hear that but I this was a ball to watch I I was losing it.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, I you know what it might not be everybody's cup of tea but it was fun and then it's like if you didn't like that there's a clear stopping point. You could have stopped after the Moxley and Hager match. There you go. And, and uh, you know there was wrestling up to that and you could have just stopped. I just thought it was fun. I, I said on the preview, uh, and I was very clear, turn on this match, I knew it was gonna be like this, and I said, At this point you should just turn your brain off and choose to enjoy it. Now if you wanna look at well this could have happened and this could have happened and this could have happened, that's great. This is not the match for it. No, yeah, yeah it's yeah, just... it, it, this was just fun.
1: Exactly and here's it's like The thing is, like, I understand um, the want of pro wrestling to be the way that you want it to be. But at the same time, considering everything that's going on, I'm glad that pro wrestling is allowing itself to be unbelievably creative during these uncertain times. Whether it be, like you said, the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match or this amazing stadium stampede match – I, it's like I' like it when these guys and uh, like when pro wrestlers are allowed to be creative, even given the current circumstances. because if pro wrestling was just match after match after match, like I'm telling you, variety is the spice of life. and aew is one of those promotions that have really discovered that. if you if you provide variety in your show, it it makes it so much more entertaining, I think. And I just think having match after match after match after match after match can sometimes get a little bit of stale, a little bit stale no matter how talented the workers are. So, I like the fact that we're getting these different kind of matches nowadays. And I like the fact that all this stuff and like wrestlers are allowed to be really creative and these matches are allowed to be super creative. And I hope even when the world slowly turns back to normal, we don't lose that creativity because these things have been such fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and it was in a way. They lost in a way where the inner circle was like that wasn't even a real match and they can come back and you know it it doesn't make them look bad at all. But I do have Absolutely not. We did have a question for the review. Our boy Jason R, uh he's J a J Row Jason R on Twitter. He says, question for podcast: when you record your review of Double or Nothing, which we're doing right now, when fans are allowed back in arenas, how would you feel when attending a pay-per-view and they have a match like a stadium stampede or the taped MITV, et etc., where it's film off location and you're watching in an arena on screen? Uh I'm going. I'm going to start, and then you you can give your answer because I've actually had more time to think about it. Give Go ahead, me man. A moment or so. Um, I would not like it if they wanted really? to start something like pre-taped in the back and then finish in front of us. I would be okay with that, but the reason I'm in the building is because I want to watch wrestling in front of me. And here's the thing, as as somebody, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first Monday Night
1: Raw I went to had that um, Wyatt compound match between the New Day and uh, the Wyatt family. And I did watch that match on a screen. So, as somebody watched that, first of all, that match was just okay, I think, in general. And I think it was just like an okay sort of thing. There wasn't a ton of insanity in there or a ton of creative stuff, I felt like. I think there was a lot more I could give. But at the same time like if i would have watched that stadium stampede match in a, in the crowd i still feel like i would have been entertained now granted i would have loved to see I think, I think the main reason people say that they, don't, that they would be kind of like not into that was because they want to see those wrestlers in person, which I totally understand that argument. If you want to just see Jericho and the Young Bucks or Matt Hardy and all these guys in front of you in the ring performing in front of you, I totally get that argument. But I would still be entertained with seeing the Funhouse match or seeing the Boneyard match or these kind of matches as long as they're done properly. And I think the matches that we've seen recently have been done very properly. But I totally get the argument, though. But I just think if this match was put on and I was at the show, I still would have found it very entertaining.
0: Okay. That's cool. Uh, Jason, there's your answer for me. I mean, Jason, me and Jason, we all go around the country going to shows. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know if I could, you know, I'm sitting there in my seat looking up at a screen. It's just I don't know how much I would enjoy that. I, I I think this is great for the I think this was amazing for the know the audience type of thing. And they taped it the night before. And I'm pretty sure, you know, once the sh- Moxley and stuff was over, those people cleared out, you know. And then they yeah, probably it. Yeah, well, they the, to do. be
1: fair, to be fair, I heard a lot of chants in the background. Like I remember I heard H2O and I heard a horse chant. I'm so. pretty
0: sure they just added that audio. Either way, either way. <laughs> no, but I'm not. Hey, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to uh, step on anybody's suspension of disbelief. Yeah, no, but no, no. I'm just saying, live in the show. I want to see what's happening in front of me. Like I said, at home, these no fans of the c- crowd. I am very much okay with that. So, as I- long as it's kept. As long as it's kept to one match, I think
1: that's fine. If it's multiple matches, I'm gonna be like, eh. but to be they... fair, like, but to be fair, like, you you take this to a completely different uh venue. Like, you go see Saturday Night Live in yeah. person, you'll see certain sketch and sketches in front of you, but a lot of the recorded sketches you're gonna watch
0: on a TV. So, but uh, let me add that this match was 35 minutes long. If I true. was in the crowd, cap at 15. <laughs> cap at 15. I, I mean, right. I would want a hard cap at 15. Or them to say, hey, the last part of this show is going to be on the screen. You can leave if you want. Then if I stay, that's on me. I made the choice.
1: All right, man. I, 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 I get your point. Yeah. I, I personally, yeah, I would have uh, been, no, been fine with it.
0: It's one of those things you have a hard time with because I really enjoyed it. It's one of the best things I've seen all year, if not the best thing. But I'm sitting in the crowd, for you know, wherever I'm at in the section, I paid money to be there, and I'm literally watching a screen. I guess it's like going to the movies, so I guess it's similar to that, but I don't know. At the end of the night, I would probably fall asleep. <laughs> I have, I've literally been up all day, probably went to a meet and greet, right? Went and had food before the show. Been screaming my ass off in the show, you know, now I'm sitting in a chair looking up at a screen. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm probably passing out. And I, somebody was like, man, did you see what happened? I'm like, no, I didn't. And, it, and like I said, this is like I don't know if they're ever going to do this. And it, it, if they do, I'll just have to prepare. I have to sleep a little longer, have me a <laughs> caffeine pill with me or something. But it's just I just feel like, you know, the days are so long that if you're ending a show with me staring at a screen, it's not going to end the way you want it to for What about the Jacksonville Jaguars
1: mascot? What, what about
0: that? Yes. Did you that, say that
1: again? Say that slower. I need you to say that slower because I don't think I heard you right.
0: Yeah, because that was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, a beautiful Judas effect. It was like, like I said, it was great. I enjoyed the show. Uh, you know, Overall thought, I give it an A. I, I think, you know, they hit home runs on their pay-per-views. They know, you know, a lot of people are sometimes watching it for the first time. They know what they're doing when it comes to those.
1: Yeah, and they're doing a really good job keeping the builds going and making sure that these have good payoffs, I think. I didn't I didn't look at anything on the card and was like, I'm not sure about that, which, I mean, it's, it's something that can happen in wrestling pay-per-views, but I think you limit those to either, like, one or none. You're doing a good job, and that, like I said, there wasn't a bad match on the card. I still stand by the fact that I don't think AEW has had a bad pay-per-view in their year of being on the air. So, and that's a good accomplishment for a promotion that's had a lot of eyes on it, a lot of a lot of uh, naysayers, a lot of people who are like kind of hoping to see it fail. But I'm I'm very glad to see how well these guys have done under pressure and how well they've been done with this opportunity that they have. And I think they've been seizing every chance that they can get. So shout-out goes to everybody at AEW and all the workers and all the wrestlers and all the cameramen who are doing all this and providing us entertainment during this time. It was a lot of fun. I would definitely agree with your rating. I would probably give it around like a B-plus to an A-minus.
0: Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, and You know, it's one of those things you can tell your friends to check it out. Because, you know, it's worth the money. It's worth the time. Uh, again, you know, we, uh, we're giving out some news just to add. Uh, they announced all out for September 5th. They didn't say where <laughs> at all. Uh, I noticed on the announcements they did a very good job of not saying where. Uh, mm-hmm. We found out uh, during the media call that Britt uh, injury was not as bad as originally thought. She did not tear to her ACL. She's only going to be out six to eight weeks and then they announced that the current champion John Moxley is going to be facing the number 1 contender uh Brian Cage at a Fighter Fest whenever they have it he even put whatever they have it they did not uh specify a date or time uh he also let the world know that this Fighter Fest was going to be from the UK it was going to be AEW's first match from the UK yeah, because it sucks, uh, it sucks yeah, so much yeah because of the virus they will be uh they uh have to do something here uh a lot of people assume it's just going to be in jacksonville i'm gonna wait and see i'm hoping you know they do shows with fans soon because i'm getting the itch uh oh yeah but yeah that's the news i got uh ray phoenix uh probably could have worked uh but uh tony Uh, made the decision to hold him out as a precaution, basically protecting the wrestlers against themselves. Uh, I think that's all the news that came. Um, I do know Mike Tyson. I just saw this on Twitter. Mike Tyson's going to be on Dynamite this week, uh, May 27th. Austin, uh, our first show together. What would you think, sir? Oh, man, I'm
1: I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be helping out and, providing uh, my my insight that i have on the show it's it's been a while since i've been podcasting i've been on a bit of a hiatus from the podcasting world so being able to do this with you a really good friend of mine it's been a it's been a ton of fun i'm so glad to be back doing this whole thing and also big shout out to sydney who did the live tweeting for the podcast last night for double or nothing big shout out goes to her she she had that whole thing locked down and i'm sure you'll be seeing her on the show in the future
0: all right, so let's give the socials like I uh, normally do. Uh, we make sure you are following at Social Suplex, at At Elite Pod. Uh, Tiffany is at All Elite Tiffany. Um, then you got Amy at Phoenix AEW. Again, I tell you always just to follow my follow the uh, podcast account for me because that's where most of my thoughts are coming from. What is yours, Austin? My Twitter is at SZOOMER4. That's S Z O O M E R 4. And Sydney's is S A ZOOMER4, right? Correct. All right. So, uh, yeah, for Austin, this is Floyd. Uh, telling you, make sure you're telling your friends to tune in to Dynamite every week. Uh, look for the announcements this week. We'll be retweeting it. I thank you for listening to our very quick show, and and, and as a reminder, whether it's homework or school, always do your best to be elite. <music>